There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Sacre bleu! It is Monday, which means it's time for the fun free football podcast. Me, Adam Bolt, with the one and only Dave O'Brien. Oh, yeah! And of course, Lawrence McKenna. Hello. How are you, Lawrence? Good. How was Lovebox? Uh, Lovebox was good. I was there on Friday. Uh, it was pretty good. Frank Ocean uh, seemed to uh, draw mixed reactions, let's say. Um, why, why, Adam? Everyone, everyone loves Frank Ocean. Everyone does love Frank Ocean, but maybe you know, maybe it wasn't suited to this huge festival main stage vibe. Maybe you know. I, being, I said that. Yeah, him being half an hour late probably didn't help as well. And, why was uh, he? I wonder why he was half an hour late. Who knows, mate? Who knows? He does things his own way. I think that's, that much is clear. But apparently, on Saturday, Dave, you had uh, more fun chasing stars. Oh. Yeah, yeah, chasing status. Um, Kano was very good. Kano was, a decent... Kano was was pretty sick on the mic. Obviously, in his ends in East London, sick. in Stratford, oh, um, dropped loads of stuff. He came on later on as well for one of the chasing status songs. So it was a, yeah, it was a very good day out. Lots of fun. There, Jess Glynn as well, who was pretty decent. And then oh, a yeah. singer that I've never heard of that does a ring on the alarm, ringing in my head, which was you know always fun to dance to. So well, I had a great time and met a few people there that came up and said, "You will start Monday, bro." And I was like, "Ah, that's not me, mate." After sinking like the thirteenth pint, yeah, it was great. Great to meet everyone as well. How, how many people did you? That's get? not me. How many people See did you get recognised by? That's for all. A few. A few, okay. Yeah, so shout out to those guys. Shout out to the people who recognise Dave. There you go. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We're going to be going through all the transfer talk and done deals from the past seven days. Before we get to that, though, it's time for Hole of the Week. Well, we got one. We've got two views this week uh, on iTunes. Guys, if you want to be Hole of the Week, all you have to do is review and rate the podcast on iTunes, you can do so by clicking the link in the description of this very podcast. Uh, today's mm. contenders are iBrowning93 from the UK and King Tommy J. Uh, first up, iBrowning, who titled his review The Podcast of Dreams. I'd like to start with a big thank you to you guys. You bring me closer to football analysis whilst adding a comedy twist to add to the great content. Adam is the best presenter going. It's just not the same without him. When he's not there, my heart drops. Congrats on the engagement, by the way. Thanks very much. 
Dave is undoubtedly the king of stats. His tactical analysis is impeccable, and despite him being a United fan, he adds great knowledge and banter to the podcast. Lawrence is very passionate, and that holds a lot of stuff together. His love for Xabi Alonso is great, and his hate for Arsenal Fan TV is hilarious. Chris is great to listen to. He literally knows It's not hate, it's contempt. Just, just want to put it out there, right? And he gives a great insight into the game, as well as a very good tactical analysis. You guys inspire me in many ways, and thank you for that. Hopefully one day, my football podcast will be as successful as yours. Five stars from iBrowning93 from the UK. Thank you very much. Very kind words there. Um, I wonder what his football podcast is. Do you think it's Guardian Football Weekly? Or? Yeah, probably. Must be. Um, also, we had King Tommy J writing in, who says the front three is like a Ferrero Rocher. Brilliant. The front three is like a Ferrero Rocher. Every second of content is mouth-watering. And at the end of every topic, there is a rich, smooth, indulgent centre. You look at a Ferrero Rocher and you know it's going to be good, just like the front three. Both Brilliant. ooze greatness. And when there's the opportunity, you just need to consume it. The front three is the Ferrero Rocher and the guests of the gold packaging. It's not needed, but it does make it a hell of a lot better. Keep it Brilliant. up, lads. Smashing the football <laughs> podcast. Game says wow. Tom, a.k.a. Tim slash Forrest. For me, it's got to be King Tommy J. There. As good and as kind as I Browning's review was, using that metaphor of the Ferrero Rocher as the front three. I've never seen it done before. Would you agree? We should, we should give it, it to Tom. Brilliant. Give it to Tom. Yeah, whole of the week. He gets I mean, his... he was clearly hinting at what he wanted the whole time, so yeah, I, mean, I can I mean, appreciate that. And I respect that, and he's got himself some Ferrero Rochers. So Tom, yeah. a.k.a. Tim, a.k.a. King Tommy J, drop us a direct message on Twitter, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you and get you some, uh, some Ferrero Rocher. You've earned them, mate. Good man. Uh, let's crack on then. Let's talk the done deals from the past week and all the rumours and gossip and all that good stuff. There's only one place to start though, guys, and that is the shock news that Leonardo Bonucci has joined AC Ooh. Milan for Ooh. £35 million. Pounds. That's the reported fee. The transfer's not done yet. The fee has been agreed. I mean, the question on everyone's minds right now... It Dave, looks pretty dumb though, doesn't it? Is why? I think it's a combination between a player being unhappy and maybe a player being pushed out of the dressing room by Allegri. Allegri did drop him earlier on in the season around, I think it was around April time. They had a big, big falling out um, during one of the games. I think it was maybe Palermo. Um, and that just continued. And there were reports at the, champ- and the Champions League final at halftime. Um, two of, I think it was uh, him and himself and Barzagli had a bit of a... You know, a bit of an argument there, um, and the atmosphere wasn't right. And of course, uh, Benucci did join um, Juve from Inter Milan, so he isn't one of the sort of you know founding fathers of this team. You know, he's not one of the first guys that Conte brought in um, when he was building this three-five-two, the very expansive three-five-two that we we know and love. But maybe there's just a clash of personality there. You know, there's reports as well that he doesn't want to leave Italy because his his son is unwell and he's getting treatment in Italy. So that's why the move to Spain, the move to to England, wasn't on. But it it's crazy. In the same week that Carl Walker moved for £50 million, uh, Benucci's just gone on the radar for 30 mil when he's probably worth £100 million that, for, uh, working on the Carl Walker rhetoric. Yeah, I mean, that is the thing, uh, Lawrence, once you, you sort of understand the context, as Dave explains there, maybe there are reasons that make sense uh, on a personal level for why Benucci has moved on to AC Milan. But that fee, surely Juventus could have demanded more for a player who's regarded as one of the best, if not the best, defenders in the world. 
That's a good point. I think he did want out of the club, though. Um, I think they were... I mean, the fact that he only wanted to move within Italy um, and the fact that he could only go then to a couple of clubs um, was always going to be part of it. Um, and because of that, I think this has partly shown the strength of Juventus as a club and the way that they can go. Um, you know, Dave's right, he's worth a lot of money. Um, but to Juve, it shows that they can flex um, and let a player go for that price, I think. Um and weirdly, to a team that is probably going to be considered one of their closest rivals next season. I mean, that is the thing, isn't it, Dave? You would expect now AC Milan to, to be challenging for the Serie A title. I think that's 10 signings now this summer, with a Benucci takes it to. Uh, Good God. I mean, would you expect them to be able to, to challenge Juve now, given the, the business, given the expenditure this, uh, this close season? Yes and no. I think there's going to be a number of talents and before teams. There's going to be Napoli, Roma, Inter and, and Milan that will be competing for the title. Of course, Atalanta, the, the, the glory team of this season, will find it harder uh, to do what they did last season. Obviously, uh, Frank Chiesa, who's gone to AC Milan. Uh, but it will, it, I, I, I like Milan. Milan's one of those clubs that is going to have a part of everyone's heart who enjoyed football during the 2000s um, because of the, the way, the style of football, the cacars and that. And it's nice to see them going back. The only thing that I'd question is 10 signings. That is a lot of new faces. That is a, that's going to take a while for them to get adjusted. And by that time, have Juve already won the league? Probably. You know, they'd lost Benucci, but they've got Benatia. They've got Rugani, who arguably Rugani has a higher ceiling than Benucci. And these are these things that Juve have just, they've, the plan, the business just all works out. And even if they've just lost one of the biggest rivals, um, one of the big, biggest players, their local rivals, or not local rivals, or their, their rivals in a way, it seems fine like it seems like they're fully in control even though they've lost two big players Danny Alves one of the best players in the Champions League last season of course Benucci one of the best centre-halves you know the players that need to, to to sort of show up for Milan of course Andre uh, Silva who was fantastic for Porto last season it's kind of like the goals are going to be on him Carlos Baca is so inconsistent um, but the style of football will be nice you know the likes of uh, Rodriguez who I've been raving about for season after season after season he'll go into Italy and he'll tear up that left wing um, whether it is from left wing back or left back so they're really starting to build something. And Benucci, you know, probably will be made captain. Next to someone like Romagnoli will be perfect. You know, a, a young Italian defender that is good and has a lot of good potential qualities. But playing next to someone like Benucci that is a, a serial winner, that's very, very aggressive, that's excellent on the ball, will help his game as well. So I think there's a lot of positive things for Milan signing someone like that. It's almost like a, a personality. Like, they've got to this stage, now they can do it. It's not like, you know, Manchester City signing Robinho to say, yes, we're here now. We're going to take you on now. We're going to sign this, you know, winger from Real Madrid and so forth that's been massively inconsistent. No, we're signing the best defender in Italy. And he's going to come in and he's going to be leading the team on. What we know with Montella is he does, does love playing out the back, which is, of course, Benucci's biggest strength. So the transfer makes sense. Whether AC will win the league, I don't think so. I think Napoli and Roma have a better chance. I think both of those clubs, um, you know, Napoli were massively ahead of um, uh, Milan away in terms of tactics, in terms of management. They haven't lost many of their players this summer. We haven't lost any of their players, should we say. And of course, Roma, um, Monchi coming in, um, Di Francesco coming in. That's going to be a nice 4-3-3 style. Uh, progressive, obviously losing Mo Salah, but they've done well in the transfer window to replace that. So Serie A, I, I've enjoyed Serie A the past three years. I think it's going to be another really cracking Serie A. Mm, Milan might not be done yet as well. There's reports today that they're they're trying to sign Renato Sanchez on loan, potentially from Bayern let Munich. Someone else do, let someone else have someone, mate. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, they it, are signing everyone. They're trying to sign it, uh, Belotti as well, uh, head of Chelsea. It's unusual. It, don't you think it's really amazing, though? I mean, you know, just a few months ago, we were talking about what a mess the club was in because of everything that gone on with um, Berlusconi and the fact that the, the sale was actually a bit of a mess as well. A lot of people were unhappy about selling to a Chinese um, investor in the first place, and a lot of people in Italy were mocking it. Um, and it looks as if they're actually quite a few people within the club sort of waiting for this to happen so they could get back to the place they wanted to be. I think they see it as the place, um, and, you know, maybe rightly so in Italian football uh, that they're supposed to be. Um, you know, there were those pictures of Benucci when he went to uh, AC Milan, shaking the hands of a number of people, but then also going into their trophy room and seeing all the Champions League trophies. So, I don't know, there's something quite Italian. There's a, like an Italian class about this transfer in a way. Um, and it's quite, it's quite entertaining so far. Mm. But then AC Milan, I mean, yeah, incredible for Milan, really. Let's move on then. Let's talk about James Rodriguez, James Rodriguez, I should say. Uh, what is it? The name's Bond, James Rodriguez, I believe. Is yeah. The, is the, is the <laughs> I can't believe you uh, called him James. <laughs> sorry. I'm just, I'm just, that headline, mate, is that Bloody headline wait, stuck in my words. head. Um, Monday morning. Big James, is, uh, he's joined Bayern Munich. Uh, Dave, on a two-year loan deal. How do you think Big James is going to get on? Big Jimmy, as he's known to his pals. Yeah, uh, yeah In the Colombian squad, obviously, Quadrado yeah. calls him Big Jimmy. Naturally, naturally. Jim. Um, no, I think it'll be perfect. I think it's... This uh, Munich team's quite an, an interesting phase. You think in Ribery, Robin, last stage of their career, still doing a very, very good job. They were excellent this season in the Bundesliga. Both of them fantastic. Supplying Lewandowski with goal after goal after goal. The thing that was good for me in the Champions League was Thiago floating as a number 10 that had the likes of uh, Alonso and Vidal behind him. I thought that was a really good situation. I thought if they had beaten one of the big boys and then they faced Milan in the final, they would have had a far better chance. I think they they played uh, Real Madrid a little bit too early. Sorry, not Milan, but obviously Real Madrid. They played Real Madrid a little bit too early in the competition. They got dumped out. But I liked how Thiago was used as a floating playmaker to create, to do whatever. Obviously, where Hamas you know, plays is attacking midfield. Yeah, he can play wide. Yeah, he can play deeper. But you get the best Hamas if you allow him to float, you allow him to counter-attack. And of course, Carlo Ancelotti, that's kind of how he's built his team and how he has done well in the, the last stage of the Champions League is playing on the break. Of course, Rodriguez is one of the best counter-attackers. You know, he's sort of your Kevin De Bruyne-type attacking midfield, but likes drifting wide and crossing loads. Very explosive um, you know, in sort of shooting position as well. We all know that. That won the goalie squad at the World Cup. But I think it's a very, very solid acquisition. And an acquisition to maybe push Thiago a little bit deeper next to Vidal and then move this team on. Again, Ancelotti needed to move the team on away from Guardiola. Guardiola's possession was a little bit stagnant towards the back end. Yes, they scored a hatful of goals, but wasn't the most exciting style. And if Ancelotti can do that, um, you know, can sort of unlock that on the break, unlock the play, that would be very, very nice. Of course, they've lost Douglas Costa, which is a bit of a strange one. Of course, Costa may be falling out with the hierarchy and Ancelotti. But James coming in will be absolutely perfect. Expect goals, assists. You know, he had the, one of the best records. Um, I think it was over 10 goals and assists being directly involved. He had the best minutes record in La Liga for any midfielder last season. So even though he didn't play much, he made contribution. So over in, for Bayern, it'll be brilliant. And again, it opens up Bayern for, a, you know, the Colombian market, the South American market. Mm. So again, Bayern Munich making a very good transfer. I think this was a good transfer. They didn't get ripped off like an English club would get ripped off. They made a solid acquisition, a loan with with Moom to buy, which is going to cost them what I think it was thirty million odd, forty million odd for the the, the you know the add on when the transfer fee and the paying per season, which makes sense. I don't feel that English club would have done that. 
you think, though, Lawrence, that maybe Bayern Munich need to do more? Of course, uh, we've seen Philip Lahm and, and Xabi Alonso enjoying their <laughs> retirement now this summer. Uh, Arturo Vidal and Robin. Happy for them both. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, Frank Ribéry, as I was saying, Vidal and Robin are all in their 30s now. They brought in Rodriguez, as Dave says, uh, a good, solid signing. They also signed Corentin Tolisso earlier this summer, becoming the most expensive player in Bundesliga's history. But despite mm-hmm. those signings, as Dave's saying, losing Douglas Costa as well, they need to do more to rejuvenate this squad. I mean, we were talking last season after they got knocked out of the Champions League. Maybe they need to do more to, to move on. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they certainly do need to move the squad forward. Um, but then I think one thing they really lacked last season was a player like James Rodriguez. Um because I think that they they did look a bit bit part um, in ti- at times uh, there was a bit of disjunction between different areas in the midfield considering that they had a lot of players out and most of the analysis after this is that Thiago couldn't carry the team uh, in that area on his own and he he needed some help so James Rodriguez makes sense um, and I think Carlo Ancelotti is the kind of manager who can uh, cope on uh, with a a squad of this size. I mean, it's not like they, he's he's playing with a number of people who are sort of uh, lower quality within the team. He's got pretty much an, a full 25 of quality players and a load of people coming through the Bayern Academy. Um, so if any manager can do it with this team, I'd say it was Carlo Ancelotti. Let's move on then to the man you mentioned earlier, Dave, uh, the most expensive defender uh, of all time now, uh, unbelievably, mm-hmm. Kyle Walker. Uh, joined Manchester City on Friday for £50 million pounds plus £3 million in add-ons, taking him past the uh, 50 That sounds million. so ridiculous, by the way. £50 million plus £3 million in add-ons. Hey, this is just what the Guardian's uh, reporting. It's, it's add-ons, Lawrence. You know, add-ons, that's £20 million easy, right? I'm sure Daniel Levy uh, ensured those add-ons were in place so that he could say, Kyle Walker, the most expensive defender of all time. You know, We just sold him to Man City for that much. You know, Just that, that little extra something. Um, Absolutely didn't, mate. What do you make of this, Lawrence? Because, uh, I mean, Carl Walker, obviously a fantastic player, uh, an England international. Having said that, only 27 caps for England, I believe. Uh, someone who essentially was displaced by Kieran Trippier in the Tottenham team last uh, last season at right back. And as I said, yet yeah, is the most expensive defender of all time. Yeah, I mean, uh, he certainly um, was seen as desirable. Most people said he was the best right back in the Premier League um, last season, uh, even though he played less towards the end. So, you know, he didn't really get that full season that he wanted. Um, the reason he was displaced was because he disagreed with Pochettino. And Pochettino, I don't think out of ego, but having did, done a documentary on him last season, um, we sort of worked out that he had sort of a quiet machismo to him which he imparted on the players and if anyone questions some of his methods then most of the time they ended up out of the team and you know that could be something as what from the outside might look as trivial as questioning his training methods or questioning his uh, rehabilitation of players or questioning um, recovery times and apparently that was something Carl Walker wasn't particularly happy with in the, in the playing twice a week um, scenario uh, considering also how hard he pushes the players uh, maybe a player might be right to question something like that, but you know it, it's really up to um, it's really up to them. Uh, ultimately, there is the phrase that most people go back to when we speak about uh, Pochettino, which is uh, you sign a contract to train with the team, not to play. And it sounds a lot like Carl Walker uh, didn't didn't forget that, 
But I don't think he was happy to be part of that uh, sort of system anymore. And I think he wanted to go to a place like Man City, which is a very different culture to Spurs and a very different approach to Spurs. And I think um, it, it shows maybe what Kyle Walker's aiming for, which isn't necessarily just for the cash, even though that is part of it. But I think it's also um, that he does see there's a project being built at Man City, which is obviously quite exciting. There's a lot of young players there who are quite exciting young players. And I imagine when you go and speak to the England squad, you know, you speak to Sterling um, and, and players who are quite excited about having really international superstars there and talking about the lifestyle that they have and the marketability, there's something quite appealing about that. And maybe Carl Walker didn't have the time to wait for that at Spurs as well. So overall, I think it makes sense. Now, I, I don't actually think that Spurs have lost out all that much. I don't think hmm. Pochettino um, is going to feel like he's... I certainly don't think Pochettino is going to treat it like a loss. Should we put it that way? Maybe, therefore, Spurs shouldn't treat it like a loss. I think it's a very good deal for Spurs. But is it a good deal for Manchester City, Dave? They obviously needed to sign a right-back. They still need a left-back left back as well. Um, Mate, they got Danny Alves. What's your yeah, problem? of course, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> you know, Sacrebleu, indeed. Is Carl Walker uh, worthwhile signing up right-back? I mean, it's hard to agree that he's worth £50 million. Is he a good signing for Man City? Yeah, he's an absolutely brilliant sign. I think we what we what we've been. It seems weird how this is probably the first time we're kind of seeing a bit of an anti-Man City rhetoric in the media, where they've bought a defender that is the best right back in the Premier League and has been for the last few seasons. Yes, he's fifty million, but in a way, we should negate what transfer fees are these days. Um, and he didn't not stop playing at the end of the season. He played thirty-three games for Spurs this season. Yeah, he missed the last two games. Um, but before that, he was still playing. And it's one of these things where it's been built now, where Carl Walker is the bad guy. He's the villain. And, you know, he, he, he hasn't been as good. But he's been brilliant this year. And the thing with City, I was watching City Everton uh, doing some research for the Lukaku transfer. And City just were r- absolutely rotten at fullback. So they're playing like a narrow diamond against um, Everton that day. Everton's up in a 3-5-2. So if you play a narrow diamond, your fullbacks need to attack. The amount of time that Gail Clichy and Sagner on the other side just froze in the final third, narrowed City's attack, completely killed the move, was ridiculous. Like Gail Clichy was just afraid, absolutely afraid of getting ahead of you know the, the central midfielders and, and getting that width in the final third. It was crazy. What Carl Walker will do is be able to get up and down, defend, attack. Um, you know what he added to his game this season was his ability on the ball, like to to chop inside, to to hit the byline by beating a player if he needed to. He's got the pace, got the ability. He's a brilliant signing. You know, one of the signings that City needed. City needed fullbacks. It was weird that Guardiola went to the club and they had no fullbacks in a way. You know, they had an aging Sagner, aging Clichy, aging Zabaleta, Kolarov that's so hot and cold. And by signing someone like Carl Walker that has consistently been one of the best fullbacks in the league for the last few seasons is a great signing. Whether it's fifty million, whether it is you know a bit ridiculous, you know we 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 can't be dictated by the market in terms of our feelings of how the player will impact the club, which will be in a very very positive way. I think we also got to look at in terms of fees. You know, someone like Murata, uh, Madrid wanting more than seventy five million for that is absolutely incredible for a player that scored over ten league goals once in his career. It's incredible that they can demand that, but Walker isn't that. Walker is a finished article at twenty seven years old, is in the prime of his career. Is a little bit Danny Alves like, you know, how he how he played for Spurs. You know, if you can do that for Guardiola at City, that'll be excellent for their right hand side that was arguably a bit poor this season. And again, it's one of the problems he needs to get a left back and he needs to get a right back. And mm. City are in a really good point. The other side of it as well, I was looking through the most expensive defenders list. What jumps out to me is that 
what Premier League clubs potentially are doing wrong is instead of going for a younger player and developing it, you know, say like a, a lad that's 18 maybe and taking that development process or 19 and taking the development process, one of these really good managers, they're going in and they're spending, you know, 47 million on Jones Stones, who was about 23 then. Um, you know, you're thinking David Louise, who it was 28, maybe, when they signed him. So maybe Premier League clubs need to have a look at themselves and go back to the other way and be like, okay, right, let's sign a player young. Let's sign a defender young and let's let's work them through. Let's work them through. A method. Let's coach them through these pro- problems instead of going, right, let's just throw loads of money at this dude. Um, and it kind of like shows that Thiago Silva was signed for 33 million. Thiago Silva, if he was signed right now in the market, would be the Benucci value. And it's just weird that maybe clubs need to take a, a, a different approach. But obviously, we'll probably talk about that later with Chelsea. Yes, I was about to say, yes, we will indeed. Um, Benjamin Mendy is apparently the, uh, the left-back that Guardiola has identified to fill that void. Another £50 million potentially to spend there on a left-back. Uh, City have also signed midfielder Douglas Luiz from Vasco da Gama for £10 million. So their business is continuing on this summer. On the other hand, though, Lawrence, Spurs having sold Carl Walker, uh, they've actually failed, they've actually yet to sign a single player themselves this season. Um, do you think that should be a worry for, for Spurs fans? I mean, is this someone more about keeping the squad together, which is something we've heard time and time again? Is there, you know, the wage ceiling that exists at the club of 100 grand? Is that something that makes signing new players difficult? Is there reason to panic for Spurs? No, you've still got quite a long time to left, left to go in the transfer with you. You've still got about a month and a half. Um, yeah, almost about exactly a month and a half. Um, so th- there's still ages. Uh, I'm not quite sure why everyone gets so worried about this sort of thing. Uh, it's not like anyone that has been linked with the club um, has gone anywhere else, really. Um, well, is that, it's just with every other club around seemingly strengthening so much, you know, with... Uh, how tight the race was last season for the top four. You see Manchester United spending all these incredible sums. But they were ahead of that race. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I know you talk, I know you're basically saying they're static whilst everyone else is moving forward. Well, they, uh, were quite a, they were quite a long way ahead of that race. They were the only team that kept it competitive. I can also see your flip side, though, and the frustration maybe that, um, you know, without anyone coming in, it does feel a little bit like standing still. And there was that sort of, we flagged this worry a little while ago, that Poch, it, if Pochettino didn't, really you know realistically challenge um this season uh then maybe it would feel as if the project had stagnated a little bit um and you know you begin to lose those players that's partly the problem with the Carl walker transfer is that the fact he went to man city and maybe it is good that you know spurs have got their people in the press that they can sort of push out um you know well he fell out he, you know he was causing problems in the dressing room or whatever um not, I'm not saying he's disruptive, but I'm saying, you know, it's not necessarily great to have a player there that's not happy. Um, and then uh, basically what it, it diverts away from is that the player has gone to someone else who has a very different project and has a lot more budget. And maybe uh, while Spurs are waiting for their new stadium, et cetera, et cetera, um, there is going to be this period which feels stagnant and maybe requires a bit of patience from the Spurs fans. But I'd imagine quite a few of them uh, would actually be OK with that as long as they remain in the top four. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily worried myself. I'm not necessarily panicking. Um, I think Spurs' starting eleven was so good last season. The squad that Pochettino has put together is so strong that I think for Spurs it's difficult to identify players who are necessarily going to improve that and yet fit into those sort of criteria that uh, is needed for Spurs to sign them, be it you know, uh, an affordable signing, be it someone who's going to be under 100 grand a week in wages, somebody who's not going to break that structure. I mean... 
Dave. Is it also worth saying, Adam, uh, that that actually Pochettino's done well to bring quite a few of the youth through from the academy? I know some most people are saying like you know uh, Tim Sherwood bought some of those guys through, mm. and that's true. But I really think he's brought them on to another level that maybe other managers wouldn't have taken them to um, as as a collective as well as as well as individuals. And to add on to that as well, maybe if you don't make signings and speaking to the point that Dave just made. Actually, they've got a manager that their academy guys say is a dream to work with. So maybe if you're not making signings, you're bringing people through. Certainly. I think there was something we didn't necessarily see last season as much as, as previous seasons Pochettino. But uh, Josh Onoma is someone who was part of the squad last season, who I think a lot of Spurs fans are hoping will be more involved next season. And Marcus Edwards as well, who's someone who has a lot of attention, a lot of heat around him. You know, potentially could be a name who, if we don't make those signings, does get involved next year. I just feel like maybe if there's one or two additions we can make to strengthen that squad, if we are going to make a real push, a real challenge in the Champions League and improve on what was a pretty disastrous campaign in Europe last season, if we are going to maintain our level with everyone else around us improving, I think I would like to see one or two signings. But again, it's difficult when the criteria for Spurs is so narrow. Uh, one player Spurs will I think be hoping... that's such a such a Premier League thing to say, though, the criteria is so narrow. You can pay a lad 100, 100 grand a week and he'll join a very progressive Premier League side with a, one of the best managers in the league in terms of a, you know, a coaching way. Surely that's difficult. something that you could sell to a young player and be like, look, yes, you could go to Chelsea. Yes, you could go to Manchester United. But here, you get game time. You'll learn. You're not going to be a Mo Salah. You're not going to be... You know, I think that's the thing now. There's a lot of examples where... Players have gone for a Chelsea, gone for a Manchester United that should have gone to Spurs. You know, Morgan Schneiderlin could have been another good example. Not at United level at all. Not good enough, but would have been good at Spurs because he could have played a functional role and would have worked. And I think that's a thing that Spurs need to position themselves as these guys that you come to Spurs like a Deli Alley. You've got potential. You've got heaps of potential. You come to our club and we'll make you, you know, we'll turn you around. I agree with the, the academy stuff. That's the good thing Pochettino's doing. But if you think about the signings last season, Spurs signed, what, four players. One of them, one of them's been a massive success. The others have not at all. I think Victor um, Wanyama has been the big success. Uh, Nkudo has been absolutely rubbish. Janssen's been rubbish. And Sissoko has been rubbish. Apart from Sissoko, did score a goal in the League Cup final against me on Football Manager, which upset me greatly. Yeah, uh, but apart from that, he's been very goal. poor. Um, and I think that Spurs need to reevaluate themselves in the market. They are acting too late, thinking the Sissoko transfer is far too late. I agree that not signing players now isn't a worry. But the big thing you've got to think about is you need to have your business done early so these players can come into the squad and they can work with these, their teammates. You know, if you sign someone at the end of the window, it takes you another two months to you know get into the squad then we're in whatever month we're in there we're in um september let's say that is the daniel levy approach though he likes to start his business that that is a problem ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But I think it is mm. still, I think it's a difficult market for Spurs to compete. And I agree with what you're saying about the attraction of the club and, and maybe how they can position themselves. But I mean, look at the Eric Dyer situation. We're talking about reports that Manchester United want to sign him for 50 odd million. They want to more than double his wages, something Spurs could never afford to do. The players are apparently tempted by the move. It's a difficult balancing act for the club and for Daniel Levy when you've got other clubs out there in a difficult, in a different reality. You, you, you've got to know where you are. You've really got to look at the latest examples of European football, your Borussia Dortmunds that got dismantled. You need to be able to think about the next level. Almost Spurs need to act five years down the line. Need to think, okay, five years down the line when Deli Alley gets to 25 and he's like killing it, he's scoring even more goals than he's scoring right now. Who have we got coming through next? And unfortunately, it's not a bad position to be in because Spurs are a club that are growing. Spurs have got a new stadium, they've got a you know a fantastic youth academy and so forth. But they need to have that thought down the line because if they keep you know throwing money at brick walls with your Jansons, with your Sizokos, your Vincudos. You know, you're going to get stuck. You know, there is good ones. You're looking at Son last season, 14 league goals, absolutely destroyed it in 2017, was brilliant. Again, he's going to be the starting guy now. But it, it needs more like that, more that you can work in eventually that will will work, not some guy that you're thinking, I've just spent 30 million <laughs> on pretty much a player that can run fast. Yeah, Arguably, they didn't. Pick, obviously, fast, they didn't yeah. sign those players just for that reason, though, did they? You know, they didn't. You know, and also, if you're dealing in that market, then uh, there are going to be hit and miss players. I think there have been a couple of managers that have fallen foul of dealing in that sub, um, sort of highly rated players market, and then they've been they've been bitten or they've been uh, caught out, and that's maybe part of the trapping of where they are. But I mean, the fact that they've still continued to challenge two seasons in a row, arguably they haven't won maybe two seasons where they, they could have, they, they're, they're actually doing something right. And so, you know, if, if the end result is still what they wanted, then, you know, it pretty much balances itself out. Hmm. I just I think long term, if you look at the signings over the last three seasons, yeah, but look who they've I'd, say, the I'd say about I'd say about five players have been good and they've, they've spent a lot of money. And I, I understand that it's a difficult market to work in, but then have an approach, a philosophy of who, who's really worked. Deli Alley's worked. Eric Dyer's worked. Signed at 18, signed at 20. You know, they're named for that. Because they're guys that are yeah, but they could have gone the, 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 the other way, the 20, They could be playing, in the, but they haven't. That's the thing. They're the successes. The likes of Fazio signed at 27. The likes of Stambouli signed at 24. And then yeah, you look at that. It's not that age that, I mean, that arguably with Pochettino. for Spurs, because Spurs have to go down that line of developing young players into the market and bamboozle people with cash. You so will, they've got to go approach. Well, you'll be glad to know, Dave, that Spurs have been linked with an actual signing this week. Uh, an £8 million signing from Estudiantes defender Juan Foyf, who's 19 years old, you know? Yeah, like that. Seen in the mould of Toby Alderweireld. It could, could be a decent <laughs> signing. Have either of you seen him play for Estudiantes? Great, great, great um, signing. I haven't, but I'm just saying, you know, he's in that mould that Dave's talking <laughs> about. A player who's uh, more affordable, a young player yeah. who can develop under Pochettino. It's interesting that, as he's saying that, that's the one player Spurs have actually been linked to. But what, if yeah. you buy, what if you buy three players? Uh, so you, you spend eight million with the Studiantes, you spend eight million on someone else, spend eight million on someone else. Uh, arguably, <laughs> that's already 12 million less than you spent on uh, Musa Sissoko. How much do they spend on Musa Sissoko? <laughs> 30 million. 
He is the uh, most expensive. That's, that's, that's six million. He's the that's most expensive signing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most expensive signing in Spurs history. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, but my point, my point is, if you sign three of those players, then maybe three of those players can slip under the radar because you know, well, he was eight million. Fine, but we'll move him on. We've still got another one. Okay, well, that other one hasn't quite worked out, but he was only eight million. We'll move him on. It, then the resale value of those players is going to be more than eight million if you well, coach them the right way. And yeah, that but, will but then if you well if you coach them the right way, then you're arguably you're going to keep them. You know, there if you, you coach then, them, then you've got three signings that are. That's what I, I'm not building this hot and cold. We're signing young players. It's that you're signing a young player with potential, right? It's sort of like your Manchester United youth academy model, where you know ninety percent of players that come through United Academy won't play for Manchester United, but United will sell them or United will let them go, and then these players will be in the Premier League. So it's a similar thing that Spurs could do if they can develop players of 19 years old to eight, you know, 18 to 19 year olds, develop them through this academy, and then potentially sell them. You know, if, if they don't work at Spurs, they'll, they'll go and work in the Championship. They might work in the bottom end of the Premier League. I don't know, it's, just, it's new thinking, let's say. It's different thinking to how the Premier yes. League is... But surely it has to be thinking that matches with Pochettino, and we can't... I mean, really, we're going to have to look... You have to cut off the Pochettino era from everything else. You have to cut off the fact they sold Gareth Bale. You have to cut off all those other things because that massively inflates the amount of spending that they did under a very different regime or idea of that because they, they didn't feel, or the managers maybe put the pressure on that, well, we have to spend money because we've just sold our biggest player. And so Daniel Levy sort of counted that at one time. In the two seasons that they've had Pochettino, they've finished, is three. it second twice? in the Three seasons. In, in those three seasons, they've finished second twice? Third and second. It's third and second. Arguably, they finished second twice because yeah. Arsenal don't count. But, that, yeah. but the, the point is that with that, those are still two great league finishes. Um, and but it's the, it's the continuation of that is the problem, and they need a plan to continue that. And if they just and, lose Deli Alli, like they, they lose Harry Kane, and they lose, they lose a Carl Walker every season, that dies. Like Monaco. Monaco can't continually lose Bakayoko, Fabinho, uh, Bernardo Silva every season and expect to be as competitive as they are. But they can if they believe that Trippier is going to be a player who can replace Carl Walker. But like Carl Walker and Trippier are in different leagues, absolutely different leagues. Carl Walker is a very, very good, very, very good fullback wingback. Carl uh, Trippier is good, but he's nowhere near the levels of Carl Walker. But the point and, is that it's not about it's not about necessarily about those levels. It's about having a manager who can get the best out of those players. But at the same time, then if you've got someone like Kieran Trippier that what's twenty seven now, he's not going to get to the level of Carl Walker because they're a similar age yeah. 20, 26 but they're a similar age where if you you know now who, what they should buy to replace Carl Walker is an 18 year old or a 19 year old or a 20 year old but he's not going to be the level of Carl Walker then but then you've got Kieran Trippier to be that stopgap and then eventually you'll have this guy that'll come through and that's the, the I'm talking about like the progress of positions that's what Spurs need to take into consideration mm. is what is going on Let's... Well, maybe their signings but yeah, I think a lot of their signings are going to come through the academy We'll see. It should be good. It must be seen. Like you say, Lawrence, plenty of time left in the window. We'll see what happens Spurs over the summer. Let's talk about Manchester United, Dave. I mentioned Eric Dyer there, uh, somebody who continues to be linked to a move with the club. Seemingly dividing opinion. Manchester United fans don't seem to be completely sold on the idea of him. Uh, Rajanine Golan, a potential alternative. He's been linked with Manchester United in the British press this week. I mean, who would you like to see join the club out of those two? Fabinho. <laughs> Perfect. I think um, I think the problem the problem with uh, you know some United fans on social media is they don't because they've not watched a stupid amount of Spurs or they don't understand what Eric Dyer does in that system they don't really rate him 
because he's a he's your water carrier, but he plays a very pivotal role in terms of getting the ball and playing it forward. Uh, but arguably, at the end of the season, was better than Victor Wanyama had the place of Moussa Dembele. Moussa Dembele is regarded as one of the most underrated in the pre- players in the Premier League, which now he's overrated. Of course, Lawrence loves this underrated, overrated type <laughs> jargon. Um, but in terms of Eric Dyer, fantastic end to the campaign, but he's been brilliant for like two years. Really good on the ball, calm, composed, intercepts at the right time, makes the right moves, tactically is balanced. If one of his teammates go forward, he's going to hold his position. And a player that can understand the game of football. Something that we don't have in many English players, and uh, you know Eric Dyer has that, arguably more Portuguese than English, having spent a lot of his um, youth career playing for Sporting Lisbon after being at Everton. But again, it's, it's one of these players that would be a good signing. Like United need to remember that the market's so broken. You know, you didn't get Bellotti because he was sh- a stupid amount of money for a player that's had two and a half, well, two good years. Then you're moving on to Murata, one good year, or, you know, plus that one good goal scoring year, should I say. Like signing Lukaku made sense because he scored in the Premier League. And if you're going to spend £75 million on a player, you might as well get a player that's scored in your own league and done it very, very well over the last um, you know, four or five seasons. He's been directly involved in 112 goals um, in his Premier League career, where a goal every 112 minutes he's been directly involved in. So he's got a very good record in the Premier League. So spend that money there. So why not sign someone like Eric Dyer, who's done it in terms of his forward passes and interceptions? He's really high regarded in that, those aspects. So it's one of these things where he'd be a good signing. Nangalan wouldn't be a good, good signing. You watch Nangalan this season, he's played in a, pretty much a, either a 3-4-1-2 or a 3-4-2-1 as behind either two strikers or behind one striker. You look at his, yeah, you look at his best performances into Milan. I think it was at the San Siro. He had a cracking game, scored two wonderful goals. All of those goals that he scored were from an attacking midfield position. Man United don't need an attacking midfielder. United need a defensive midfielder. They've got thousands of attacking midfielders. So it's one of these things where Nangalan wouldn't work. Eric Dyer would work. So Eric Dyer would be the better signing out of the two, but arguably, what's the point in that when you can sign Fabinho? (laughs) Uh, What about even Perisic? Because this saga's rumbling on, but the signing is said to be very close, uh, according to independent chief football writer Miguel Delaney. Is that a good signing as well to complement the arrival of Lukaku then? So what I don't understand about the Perisic deal is, if United were to play a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, yeah, Perisic would be fantastic. You know, he's a winger. Goes wide, crosses the ball takes people on, very, very skillful, had his best season ever in terms of goals and assists, looked like he's maturing. You know, some fantastic performances last game of the season. I watched it against Udinese, I do believe. Absolutely brilliant. Two goals and an assist. It was just fantastic. Like a real, real sort of hungry performance, very electric. What United want in a winger. Not a inside forward that's going to come inside, but a winger that's going to stay wide and take people on and get crossed into the box. Of course, in open play, sometimes he does drift centrally and become a second striker, but he's naturally either as a number 10 goal scoring or he's going to be out wide. He's not going to be in that inside left channel that we have a lot of players that play that sort of position. You think Martial, Rashford, the list goes on and on and on. What doesn't make sense is that United played a 3-5-2 against LA Galaxy. And it looks like Mourinho's going for a 3-5-2. A 3-5-2 kind of works for the United squad. You're thinking they've got quite a lot of centre-halves that are decent uh, wing-back-wise. And that's where potentially Perisic would come in at wing-back. But, you know, you look at the best wing-backs in world football, they're not wingers that became defenders. They're defenders that became wing-backs. Because you've got to know your defensive ability first. You've got to know where you've got to stand in the defensive sense. I think it could work against a smaller team if United were, you know, massively dominating the ball and you can throw both wing backs forward. They don't, they're not wing backs anymore. They're arguably wingers and you're playing pretty much a 3 3 4. But that's the problem with the Perisic signing. It doesn't make sense that United have now switched formation. You know, someone like Paul Pogba, 
you know, so good in a 3-5-2 at Juve, so good at being able to have that freedom on the left wing, almost being the left winger as well as a left central midfielder, just drifting around. Mkhitaryan had a great second half, very explosive from central midfield. If you're playing a 3-5-2 in this modern day, for me, you've arguably got to play attacking midfielders in those two central midfield spots and let them go. You're thinking Hoffenheim are a great example. Um, Demir Bay and Amiri, absolutely fantastic at carrying the ball, receiving the ball in between the lines. Problem with United is they need to work on that a bit more. They need to push the likes of Ander Herrera a bit further forward up the pitch or whoever's playing central midfield. Pogba, Mkhitaryan works as a central pairing. The problem with Perisic is arguably where he'd suit that system as as a striker. But United have already got Mata, who played as a striker in the first half against LA Galaxy. Marcus Rashford, who's come back and he looks like an absolute tank. Scored two very, very good goals. Um, you've got, obviously, Lukaku, signed for £75 million, and Martial, who got a goal and assist in the second half against LA Galaxy. You've already got four strikers to play those two positions. So it's just a, a weird one. Whether Perisic will work as a left wing back, maybe. But I just don't... The signing doesn't make sense now if Mourinho is going to go for a 3-5-2 and fully commit to a 3-5-2. Hmm. Remains to be seen how that unfolds then. Perisic supposed to be joining this week, according to reports. Um... Another one which might be seen as a strange move, Lawrence, is the signing of Tiemue Bakayoko from Monaco to Chelsea. Why do you think that's a strange move? Well, we're about to come on to what Dave was alluding to earlier about the development of youth products at Premier League teams. Uh, But Chelsea are signing him, mate. What was the last... Well, it's just, you know, the contrast is drawn by Nathaniel Chalaba joining Watford for £6 million, player of the same age and the same position as Bakayoko, uh, not but a few days before uh, the Frenchman joined the club for, what, £40-odd million. Pounds. Uh, do you find it a bit disheartening almost to see a player that uh, had been trained up by Chelsea, who'd been hyped as one of their biggest and uh, most successful sort of youth products, to then move on himself to not be trusted by Chelsea who then spent 40 million on a player as I say at the same age and same position coming into the club I mean I think maybe it's part of what um, what Dave's saying you know I think the culture at Chelsea probably isn't one which is going to be helping uh, a young player like that I think it's probably geared more towards signing someone like Bakayoko who's an excellent player and also uh, sort of comes from the mould of um uh, apparently he's been moulded by uh, Claude Makélélé. Um, so, I mean, really, it's Chelsea going back to what they know and love in that sense. Um, so, great signing on their part, I think, uh, mainly because I'm, ex- I, I, I'm excited to see Conte do something with most players that they sign to the team. I think a lot of players that come are underrated when they come to Chelsea. I think Bakayoko probably is one of those players that... Um, I mean, he really got the plaudits last season, but there are a lot of other players who were in an attacking sense got a lot more plaudits in the English press than Bakayoko did. Um, I know Dave highlighted a couple of other people did, but I don't think he was so um, highlighted in the mainstream press. So I look forward to seeing how he plays in the Premier League. He looks great in the Chelsea shirt as well. So let's see what happens. I'm excited for it. I, I don't That's think it's a bad move at all. I also think it's Chelsea. You just discount. You just know you, you. Yeah, absolutely. You just discount the rest. If it's Chelsea, it doesn't matter like that. They haven't signed, um, you know, uh, someone young, or they haven't bought someone through from the academy. It's Chelsea. Can we just discount that, Dave? Should we not be scrutinising this business? I mean, we need to scrutinise them, but the fact is, we don't. What you what what information are you going to use to scrutinise Chelsea? I mean, apart from everything else that's already been said, the the fact is they don't. They do have a number of good youth products. They do take from other teams. They do have a lot of people out on loan. But they don't. They haven't seemed to have changed that 
more recently and it's very confusing as to why they haven't and you wonder if most of it is down to the commercial side of Chelsea and the fact that they don't feel like they've got that many commercially viable players in the Chelsea team not least the fact that Diego Costa is off partying halfway around the world and then bloody Atletico Madrid <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it, at least you know it's on brand it's Nike <laughs> You know what it is good for, Adam? It's good for Spurs, because Spurs can now go, sitting down to sign this uh, 13-year-old who lives in West London, let's say. Let's call him Steve. Steve Gibson, let's, let's call him. Steve Gibson's now going to go to Chelsea, and he's going to go to Spurs. The entry into the Chelsea team for Steve Gibson is going to be pretty much impossible. The entry into the Spurs team is very open. So again, it's one of these things where, yes, Chelsea are getting all the top youth players right now. Uh, London is very, very competitive. And they'll start to, you know drop out in terms of these negotiations with players because Arsenal, Spurs, you know, even West Ham may be more attractive because they're going to see a, a route into the first team. Maybe not West Ham, obviously. They lost. Who did they lose? The 16-year-old lad that played against Arsenal first game of last season who they blown to Reese Oxford. again, why the hell that he's not even considered to be part of their squad is mental. Gladbach have got a great record of bringing through young defenders. Um but why can't West Ham have the same thing? But anyway, back to the point of um, Chalaba versus Bakioko. You know, Bakioko and Kante, is that going to work? No. They're the same type of player. They're the same player that isn't going to hold position. One of them will have to change their game. It could be Bakioko. Did it quite well for the French under 20, under 19s, maybe? I don't know why I was watching in the 19s. French team for some stupid time. As you I don't do. know what I was doing. Do. As you do. I was watching that uh, Kevin Augusto, I think he's and he was absolutely bonzer. Again, a PSG Academy prospect that's getting no game time at PSG, gone to Leipzig and will probably have a really good uh, time over there. But it's a similar thing. Bakayoko will have to adopt his game and have to sit deeper because he can't have two players harrying because then the space in front of the back three opens up. Or Chelsea go to a 3-5-2. But we haven't really seen that because they haven't signed any other... You know, they haven't signed a, di- you know, a deep-line playmaker. Maybe it could be Cesc Fabregas, but still, Conte didn't do that this season, so I can't see him doing it next season. So Chelsea are at a real crossroads right now and losing the, the likes of Costa, as, as Lawrence mentioned, they may struggle next season. They may really struggle. They've lost their goals. They've not evolved the side. People have worked out how to deal with Eden Hazard. Yeah, he had a fantastic season, was brilliant. But at the back end of the season, people started to go, right, this is how we deal with Hazard because there's no other facets to this Chelsea team. And that's the problem that Conte is going to have to address early doors because you know teams will sit deeper against them. They'll man-mark Eden Hazard. And that kind of negates their only weapon going forward without Costa's you know, ability to bring long passes down. So whether it's Morata, whether it's Bellotti, they need to get a move on. Run out of time, so let's uh, wrap up the last few transfer bits and bobs. First up, Lucas Leiva, Lawrence, has left mm. Liverpool for Lazio. Mm. Mm. Tears for Lucas. Sad. Oh, it was there for, for, there for a very long time. Maybe people will be upset that he went to Lazio. Um, but, you know, I think he wanted out of the club. I think he wanted another challenge. Lazio is probably about the level that, that Lucas um, can play at now. Um, and he was he was a great servant for the club. I, you know, I think when, what, what people say, when people say that and what they mean by that is, um, it wasn't only that he sort of played, it was also that he played in a number of different positions, often out of position, often sacrificing um, the good that he had for the, the good of the team. Um, maybe playing at centre-back when he is clearly not a centre-back, um, but clearly is an intelligent enough player, but maybe not physically um, sort of developed enough to play in a position like centre-back. But he did it for Liverpool and actually um, covered 
reasonably well. Um, uh, when I say reasonably well, I mean, they probably had one of the worst centre-back pairings that Liverpool could have had out there. And Lucas is probably the best option. Um, bear in mind also, when he came to England, he was an attacking midfielder that Benitez uh, morphed into a defensive midfielder who wanted to play slightly deeper and wanted to play alongside someone like Alonso or like Mascherano. So he often found himself in the midfield having to play the Mascherano role. Very rarely did he have, him, have to find himself playing um, the Alonso role. And, you know, because Steven Gerrard was just ahead of them, most people had sacrificed part of their game so that Gerrard could maraud in the way that he did. So I, I actually think Liverpool hampered his development. It probably would have been more satisfying to see him go somewhere else and be a great attacking midfielder, maybe even somewhere else in Serie A, because at this point, looking back, you'd say it might have suited his career. But I think a lot of Liverpool fans are very grateful that he came to Liverpool um, because he was a great character. There's a lot of memes around the club, uh, you know, unlucky and those sort of things, um, which I think a lot of Liverpool fans will uh, thank him for and be very happy about. Um, so he, he, a lot of people will remember him affectionately, maybe off and on the pitch, even if it's not because he won something incredible with the team. Mainly for that meme, yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's other things with Lucas. I think you say Liverpool far too long, and Liverpool should have moved their side on a while ago. I think Lucas has hampered your development uh, personally. Also, in terms of, I don't think um, he's gone out of his way, Tam. I think you know, I don't think it's Lucas's responsibility to say, "Boss, I think I need to move on here. I'm hampering other people's development." I think he was very often used, like I say, as a stopgap uh, or a player who covered for other players when Liverpool didn't feel like they had someone who could play there. I think one of the things that you got to look at with Lucas as well, um, someone that I used to work with got a, uh, a direct message from Lucas after writing, a, uh, writing an article about him and didn't really come across very nice, uh, to say the least. So, one of these what, things what exa- where... What exactly, <laughs> what exactly... And what, what, was the article, what was the article about, Dave? It was about poor performance from Liverpool. Um, and Lucas took it very personally. Um, and quite frankly, that's not something you should be doing as a professional footballer, is going around attacking journalists. But that was allegedly, you know, obviously we need to back ourselves up in a some sort of legal perspective, but apparently not a very nice guy. You know what, I actually, I've heard Lucas is nothing but a nice guy, um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter that. I, I mean, I, I think there, are pro- there is probably a lot of frustration, and, you know, from what I've just listed, I would say probably legitimate fr- frustration from a player like Lucas, because... Um, you know, it very often he is played out of position. Uh, I think he came here um, expecting something different. Um, and I think he's he's found a culture that he really liked, but not necessarily um, a footballing culture that really took him on. And I think a lot of people from outside Liverpool were quite, quite critical of him. Um, you know, I, I do think players also have a right to respond. Um, you know, if, if you can't say what he said, then really... Uh, you know, I, uh, first of all, he's not here maybe to respond in, in that way. But uh, second of all, you know, what did he say? You know, because I, I've heard nothing but good things about Lucas. The fact that he was charitable, the fact that he was a guy who was really good to other people at the club, the fact that he was a great guy to have around the dressing room, all these sorts of things. You just shouldn't you know, be going out attacking fans, full stop. So did he attack a fan? Did he attack a fan or did he attack a journalist? That's a fan and journalist, Lawrence, which could be even worse. Cool. Double uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to have to act as one or the other, or either that or you're writing on a fan site. Let's, let's move on to the final bit of news before Lawrence, we wrap up, guys. Lucas is a terrible guy. I'm going to defend him in this sense. I think he's a. I, I, don't, I think it's difficult. <laughs> It's difficult to say. It's difficult Lawrence. to say without backing it up. It's difficult to say without backing it up with actual evidence. 
that someone's a uh, someone's not a great guy. Let's talk about someone who may or may also not be a great guy. Uh, Joe Hart, depending on your point. Oh, of he is. A, he is a wanker. Uh, like he's a real. <laughs> yeah, he could be on his way to he's West a Ham, lad, guys. That's what he is on loan. <laughs> The top geezer himself, Joe Hart. You're going to be delighted to see him back in the Premier League, Dave? Oh, definitely, yeah. I think someone did a stat yesterday that was like, out of goalkeepers that have played over 15 games in uh, Serie A, I had the worst save percentage. So pretty much did a Claudio Bravo over in Serie A. Uh, but it'll be fun to see Joe back um, playing for West Ham. Hopefully he can get his confidence back and, and start making saves instead of letting them go through his hands. Lovely stuff. Um, I think that's the perfect place to end the podcast. Unless, briefly, there's anything else anyone else would like to mention before we wrap up. Uh, Lawrence, anything you want to mention? I did, I did find it really weird that um, uh, all the banter accounts online are having a lot of banter about the fact that Lukaku didn't score in his first game for Manchester United. I just find that really, really weird. Um, yeah, not everyone scores on their debut. You know, like, you're not, and also, yeah... It, yeah, like not everyone scores on their debut. It's just that simple. Not I, even I'm, competitive I'm debut, even if he didn't. What, who cares? Etc. I don't know. I just think Twitter Twitter accounts. Like the the problem is, people who originally set up Twitter accounts back in the day were like people who sort of they probably had like quite good banter for the word that I hate to use. You know, they probably were quite funny guys. And since then, these have obviously become an industry and a business. And now there's a lot of people entering into the business with. Um, bad banter um and so they'll just they'll say whatever they think to just to just get clicks do you know what i mean like they'll you know oh yeah here's this this, this, here's something out of context here's this here's that you know or maybe this guy should keep his mouth shut or maybe should concentrate on being out on the pitch you won't be unhappy tonight because he'll go home to his wife and you're just like well Mate, just leave it. Like, you know, I wish there was a way you could just get rid of some of these shit people who just write shit tweets all the time. They don't even write them, Lawrence. They copy and paste them. That's the best thing about those accounts. Uh, even worse. Just, uh, you know, even even worse. It's a banter arms race in many ways. You know, they're trying to be the first out there with the banter. <laughs> but not, in not many ways, though, good banter, but they blow they're themselves first. up. Yeah. You hope they blow themselves up in their own yeah. kitchen before they manage to get the banter out there. Do you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Laptop just blows up. Banter <laughs> yeah. not allowed. Denied. Dave, <laughs> Dave, before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to, uh, yeah. to mention or bring attention to in the world of? Well, there was a, a banner at the Fiorentina Stadium. Um, I no. talks that uh, Berdeski was going to move to Juve. Um, why would you? Why wouldn't you like to spit in your face, Berdeski? You shitty humpback, hunchback. Sorry, but hunchback. Blimey. Which is pretty bad. Um, either the player's not signed yet or whatever. You know, there is big beef between Fiorentina and Juve, as we do know. But, you know, they, they like to go far over in Florence. Apparently so. That is, uh, that's quite something. Um, well, Also, at Star Sixes, the, the most used phrase was wind the clock back. Uh, because they're all retired. Just because it is. So, so Look here and wind every, back the clock. Yeah. Let's also be quite, let's also be quite frank at the moment. There's a lot of people who use footage of football right now. I have no problem with people using star sixes. There's a lot of people on the line using footage of football. And um, if we're completely honest, like as a group, we've sort of made the agreement not to use footage in our videos of football. Maybe we'll use, you know, images and stuff. I think it's quite different to using actual video. There's a lot of people using videos of football right now. And it's it's starting to annoy me. Um Name just and shame. Because, no, I, don't know. I mean, no, I mean, there's too many to name and shame, to be quite honest, That's online, it. Adam. 
um, I, it, it, because what we what we're in is an industry which is um, current, again, there's so many beg people on Twitter or whatever, and they're so desperate and they're so talentless that they. And I'm not saying that I'm talented, <laughs> but there are so many talentless people out there that they're the only thing they have is to that their ripper of footage, and then they put that up online. And of course, people are going to look at that and share that. But mm. that's that's just such a beg approach to making football content. The reason we don't use use those football uh, clips is because we can't afford to buy them because they cost billions or millions yeah. of pounds. Illegal, and so play fair is what I'm saying to other people at the moment. A lot of people online don't particularly pay fair. I don't mind gifts. I don't mind like short clips. If BT have shared it and then you retweet that fine, but there's a load of people online at the moment who are currently using footage of matches and it's just, it, it's not leveling a playing field. And like people are, Oh, well, you know, it's a barrier to enter the price of things. Yeah, but there's so much other stuff that you could cover, and these guys already cover footage really well. It's just, it's ridiculous. Like, it, I understand it's probably going to go in a good direction. It'll encourage the BBC and Sky and all those guys to put their clips up online. But it's also just so begged to put up clips of games. Like, just get so a life, big. mate. I don't, I don't like this beg approach. Uh, guys, <laughs> please, please rate and review the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, it's been great to have you. I uh, hope that you enjoyed Just stop putting the clips online, all right? <laughs> as much as we enjoyed recording it. Uh, until next week, Lawrence McKenna, where can people find you? Uh, you can go, if you go to FootyTube, I sometimes edit match highlights and just sort of put them up there for people. It's great stuff. Um, it's actually quite handy. It's great stuff. Um, I, I actually have great no problem concept. with FootyTube. FootyTube is actually quite handy sometimes when you're away on holiday and you want to see, and then you want to see Liverpool versus Indonesia in 11 or something. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, footy tube is good. Um, also, just go to um, at the front three or Loscast, and you can find me there. Mm, D O B on the mic. Where can people find you? I'm usually floating around Reddit. Um, wow. Football highlights. Our football highlights. Honestly, I think it's the best thing I've ever done. I've watched so many games from last season there. It's been beautiful. It's been a great little break. But anyway, yeah, there. Find me there. That's it. Lovely stuff. Uh, guys you can find me on Twitter at Adam Boltwood follow us all at the front free as well and as I say please please Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Please rate and review the podcast. I'm not begging. Uh, Guys, we'll see you next Monday. Bye.